This is Between Sundays from Commons Church, a conversational podcast about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Sockold. We're back with another episode in the third season of Between Sundays. We've called season three, Why Does It Matter? And we're exploring the elements of building a meaningful life. In the foreword to the book of poetry called God Speaks Through Wombs, John Baptiste writes, The creative process is mysterious. It calls us to create meaning and value on a blank canvas, to translate the invisible, all-knowing language of God into poetic, universal prose. I love this idea of translation, taking our highest ideals, our basest desires, our hardest questions, and turning them into works of fiction, portraits on canvas, films for the big and small screen, all in the service of meaning. Today, you're about to hear a fun conversation between me and Ingrid Vargas, all about why independent film matters. And I actually first met Ingrid through film. My good friend Kyle Armstrong is a filmmaker here in Alberta. Years ago, one of his films was showing here in Calgary at the Globe. When I went to see it, I spotted a woman who looked really familiar to me. It wasn't until the following Sunday when I ran into Ingrid at church that our conversation around story and spirituality and filmmaking took off. There are two moments in the conversation where we'll cut to Ingrid and I watching one of her short films called All Saints. It's like you get your own director's cut. And we'll include a link to Ingrid's website in the show notes so you can go ahead and watch the piece yourself. In addition to viewing her thoughtful art, I'm excited for you to hear Ingrid and I talk about stories as connection makers thoughts on place and collaboration, and how independent films will help you think about life's most important themes, like you haven't thought about them before. We make Between Sundays on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. It's a privilege to make a podcast on this land. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to the conversation we're calling Why Does It Matter? Of course, I went and looked at your website, IngridVargas.com. And <laughs> the <you>, descriptors <laughs> uh, right under your name are filmmaker slash photographer right there. So I wondered if you can give us more of an introduction of yourself from those things, but there are a few things I also want you to touch on. Okay. So one, I want you to touch on a little bit of your family and where they come from, uh, your pursuits, sort of the things that you really pursue and are pursuing. And also I feel like this is skipping ahead a little bit, but why you continue to choose to pursue the things you love in Calgary. Mm -hmm. So again, we're going to get into more about how you came to film and movies, but yeah. talk a little bit about sort of how you see yourself and who you are. Um, how do I see myself in regards to like identifying as a filmmaker? That's still a hard question for me to answer because um, if I'm going to speak honestly, like I 
And I think everyone who's in the arts feels this way at some point about being like, I'm an artist. Uh, I do have severe uh, imposter syndrome about it sometimes. Um, but then I'm also like realizing like, no, this is what I, I am doing, not so much what I am. Right. So I've, I've been trying to really like separate the, the descriptor from like my own sense of personhood because it's been entangled before and it wasn't a healthy relationship so I'm just learning to like be like I make films but I am not like the films I make and I take Uh pictures but I'm not the pictures I make because I I also like make mistakes and just don't want to like define myself by the things I've failed at even like looking back at whatever I've messed up on I can just see like it shaped who I was as a person Mm -hmm. but yeah in the broader context of like my identity I I'm struggling identifying with those things but trying to like redefine how I identify with them I think that's really interesting because I from where I sit I think like I've only known you pursuing Mm -hmm. this part of your life you know that and I see like having some established sense of that which is really interesting to hear you be like ah back <laughs> away scared. back away <laughs> but I'm like no Ingrid you are this <laughs> like this is you know something that you do with passion and love yeah so okay so talk a little bit about your family because I know that this really defines you and your identity totally um so my family's from Colombia, and I'm from there too but I grew up here so like I definitely, in my 20s, I've grown more into, like, my culture than I did when I was a teenager, and it's becoming, like, a really quintessential part of how I want to, like, make stories and share them. Um, I consider myself, like, a first-generation immigrant. I wasn't born here, but I feel very much like I was in so many ways. And the Um, more I'm around Calgary, the more... That story is not an unfamiliar Calgary story. That is, like, a very present aspect of identity totally and i feel like it's not in the mainstream calgary wise but like there's a bunch of us who who are like on the same boat and come from the same boat um and i think that has shaped me immensely not just like in my filmmaking practice but just as like a person because i know what it's like to come from the outside and Mm -hmm. then slowly become integrated into like the system or the ecology or yeah. whatever you want to call it. And it's so interesting. I I love these parts of myself um, where I straddle different worlds. Mm-hmm. So I grew up on a farm, but I love the city mm-hmm. and, you know, the, those kinds of um, being able to, I think your, your place in your family is so interesting because you're the youngest Yes, and your, and your siblings are a chunk older than right. you. And so you're, you're like the aspect of culture that they live in, mm-hmm. in terms of probably Colombian identity would be even a little bit, would you say? Yeah, because they, from they didn't own? assimilate in the same way I right. did because they still, they grew up in Colombia for, for long enough to really like have a better sense of what like a Colombian yeah. identity looks like. Yeah. Meanwhile, for me, it was always a struggle growing up because I'm like, I don't, I, I feel like I'm both, but yeah. I didn't know how to harmonize them. And I think now in my 20s, I've learned yeah. to kind of like, be okay coexisting with like those two cultures and finding beauty in both of them instead of like resenting one over the other just for the sake of like wanting to fit in and 
and not like struggle yeah. so much. It's an interesting thing. Like, do you have a moment, like I'm picturing you kind of trying to run away from it, you know, as teenagers do. Yeah. Uh, as you're growing up, you're like, I don't want to be anything that you are. I'm going to do my own thing. And yeah. then do you have a moment where you kind of remember when you turned around back towards your yeah. family? Like what, what was that moment of like, oh, I am you, you are me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to sort of make a journey back towards my culture. Totally. The, where um, I come from. Ironically enough, like I was in Germany mm-hmm. uh, for my YWAM when I was like, I love my culture. And it was because I was with a bunch of other like Latinx folks <sighs> who we just kind of all gravitated to each other because we shared like the same culture in so many ways. And we were we weren't like the Germans that we were with necessarily. So I started really appreciating like the many aspects that I recognized of them from my family. And I really missed my family on top of all of that. So I, yeah, it it was a good experience in like coming to terms with, with my cultural identity and learning to fall in love with it again. And now like just pursuing it, like it's something I want to keep discovering and, unpacking like not just through film work but just like in my own life yeah um yeah i love it uh and talk about the things that you pursue so you pursue filmmaking you pursue pursue photography Mm -hmm. you're doing some education yes stuff so talk a little bit about your pursuits um my parents have always been extremely supportive of Mm. them which i feel very lucky about because i think it is hard to be like a first generation immigrant and kind of expecting to like sow the seeds of tomorrow and making sure that everyone in your future generation succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm so lucky that my parents have enough faith in me to pursue this thing that's kind of like flimsy and fickle and not always super stable um, and just have the confidence in me that I'll, I'll succeed, which like I struggle having that confidence, but they've been really great at being a part of that journey and like their big reason I keep pushing for it because they never gave up on on us or our family establishing themselves here so like I feel like I can't let them down but I know that there's not that pressure from them they're just they just want me to live life fully and love it and and do what I feel called to instead of mm-hmm. forcing myself to do something I don't care about right so film mm-hmm. uh oh let's talk about why you continue to stay in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. I, I find, I, I mean, I'm always kind of learning Calgary culture, mm-hmm. but I married a Calgarian who continues to choose Calgary to as here. home. And I, yeah. I really am enjoying that, that sort of call to rootedness that I mm-hmm. find more here than where I've lived totally. in the past. Hmm. Why have I stayed in Calgary? Well, I think a big reason is my family for yeah. sure. I'm really close to them and I'm not ready to, like, I just moved out for the first time last year, which is a little embarrassing, but like, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm very attached to my family and I would say in like a healthy way. And it's just also very like Colombian of me to, to stay at home till I'm 25. Um, but yeah, I think Calgary is like a great ecosystem for the arts because it's small. So like, you feel like you actually have room to grow here and make mistakes without the pressure of like failing miserably or drowning in a bigger pond, um, like another city. Uh, so I think it gives you just more room to learn and, and like experiment with your creativity because there's not that pressure of like making it like, I feel like everyone in the community here is like (laughs) almost 
just like we're all growing together and there's not such a huge like divide Ah. so there's a lot of support within the film community um and i i just i like that coziness of it right um and I'm, I don't like I, I one day I'd like to like try somewhere else just to see what it's like. But yeah. I'm content here because I do feel like it's preparing me for bigger things in like smaller ways. And, hmm. and like it's it might be a little bit more slow here than other places. But I do think like slow and steady wins the race. Like there's no I used to want to like I'm still kind of like this where I want to rush everything. Like I want it now. I'm not from like a I'm not a brat, but like I just <laughs> I get very obsessed with ideas and I really want to see them like come through. Um, so yeah, <laughs> sorry. I don't know where no, I was it's going great. It makes me think about, like I hadn't really thought about, uh, like you called it an ecosystem mm-hmm. and that when I think about a place like where films are made Hollywood or something mm-hmm. that there's this, there's the, the pyramid mm-hmm. is so interesting. Like the people at the top, there's so much between the people at the top and the people at the bottom yeah. trying to get in at all. It's a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> but here it does seem like, oh, if you can kind of collapse some of that, you kind of have access mm-hmm. to, I don't know, some of the power at the top in a different way because you, you don't have to go through totally what, like hundreds of thousands of, <laughs> of other people yeah, like- <laughs> trying to sort of scramble and like get at yeah. those layers of power. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. I like thinking about what that means in community or creativity mm-hmm. uh, and collaboration, which yeah. I know is a word that you care about. So let's go back to where your love of film comes from. Like what, where did you start loving story in that way? Do you have a movie where you thought this did something for me in a deep way? Yeah, totally. Like <laughs> if I'm honest, I think it comes from, a place of romance okay uh which is i'm like that's a word i've been trying to redefine for myself Ooh, because i'm here for this i'm trying to fall in love with films again and okay. watching films i for the last i graduated in 2016 it's 2020 for the last like five years or so like i've i've had a hard time watching films because i just know too much about how they're made okay. and, and i this is like you did training in film you yeah, studied film so i, I studied yeah. um at state in their film program so it was okay. super technical it okay. wasn't so much theory and that's kind of, i'm studying like film theory and communications right now um but yeah i basically got to see like what happens how it's made how much things cost and then kind of took those burdens <laughs> and applied them to when I was watching movies, which used to be like a very spiritual experience for me. And now like, honestly, like sometimes it stresses me out. Wow. Um, so I'm trying to fall in love with it again and like okay. force myself to watch a movie and just take it in and enjoy it and not huh. think about how it's made or how I'll never make a movie that that's that good. Because oh. <laughs> I think that that happens. Like you start realizing like yeah. how hard it is when you start making them and totally. you're like, oh my I can't, I can't believe they made this with like right. this much of like, you, I, but then again, I'm just an overthinker. So maybe that's okay. what's happening. But, um, I was probably four and we had just moved to Canada and four, okay. it was 1999. And I remember one of the first like VHSs we had was Titanic. It was okay. like the two, the two yes, in like the right. cardboard box. Yeah. It was chunky. Um, and my sisters were older than me. So yeah. like they would watch and I was there with them and then, you know, I'm with adults and I just, yeah, I remember being like, wow, 
Oh, and then on top of that, like, I developed a huge crush on Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> at age four and, like, <laughs> was just, like, obsessed with, like, the story and okay. um, all of that. So it kind of just came from, from like, a silly crush wow. on, <laughs> on a movie star to, like, just always watching films and being obsessed with them as a kid and, like, wanting to be in that world and, like... So right away we see words on the screen, Mm -hmm. all saints, and you've talked about three women Mm -hmm. with saint names, and you've given us three L words, Mm -hmm. longing, lust, lust, longing. Lust, loneliness, and longing. Lust, loneliness, and longing. Okay. Okay. Which I feel like are all kind of interconnected. Yeah. But distinct. Mm -hmm. There's a distinct quality to each of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all words that I feel like any human would be like Mm -hmm. yeah i know the texture of those words Mm -hmm. in my life okay so let's see who we meet first i mean we can just talk through it maybe that would be yeah i don't mind doing like a little director yeah that's kind of it yeah that's actually Um, a great idea okay so we're in a religious space right away yeah sankami on uh, fifth street okay we see mary Oh, such a beautiful space with that light. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, mid-century mod, which oh, I like. Oh, my gosh, that artwork really draws me in. Okay, so a woman is out of focus and coming into focus. How did you choose your actors? Um, I auditioned a couple people, okay. like, a call-out. Like, I... Vanessa, I, like, knew through film already, and I was like, okay, like, she, she's the one I want. Oh, wow. Um... And then, so uh, this is Saint Agnes. Yeah. Oh gosh, this is. Oh, she's going to confession. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you knew this actor. Yeah. Right. She's in mostly in like theater productions. Okay. She can do both. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Oh, and then we cut to a makeup session. Makeup city. Shirts coming off. <laughs> Some hair gripping, grasping. But I can tell yeah. you what my favorite movies are. Okay, let's do it. Um, that like yeah. I've watched over and over again, and yes. kind of that are kind of like the liturgy of Ingrid. Yeah, in um, film. I love Wings of Desire by Wim Wenders. Oh yeah, um, it's just such a like beautiful, sincere, like heartfelt film. That's the angel in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, and like I happened to watch it while I was in Germany as well. So like oh. it, and that was like a very um, interesting time in my life. But I also like grew so much from that in retrospect. So I'm I'm very emotionally attached to that film okay. and its themes and its story because it does tie in with like my I guess like my Christian identity, yeah. but also like my humanity and my desire to to be good, but also like being a person and yeah. being young and trying to like navigate that and having these big questions about life, but just as an adult rather than yeah. like a child. Um, so and yeah, in that, in the story of that film, you're going to have to remind me, it's been so long since I've seen it, but the angel, it, th- there's this play between the angel story and the relationship with being human. Right. And yeah. he, he wants to become a human right. so he can feel in love and oh. feel love and romance and like have that connection right, with so someone else. Deeply kind of melancholic. Yeah. But like very that. romantic and like mm. 
profound yet playful and so it has it's like a really in my opinion like well-rounded film and I I love that because like that's the beauty of film like you can kind of mix all these emotions in a very constructed and like clear way that makes the audience respond in that way and makes them think about those things um so yeah I love I love things of desire what else do you have um, on the movies. train spotting movies you can't live without okay <laughs> i've actually never seen it. you've never seen no. train spotting okay that movie changed my life um i was 18 or 17 when i first saw it and i watched it like a lot for a couple oh, of years wow. after that um but yeah it was like a good it's kind of raunchy in some ways and like i read the book too and it's just like so crass um but i love i love the aesthetics of things mm. but the, all that to say like I don't believe in style over substance. I think beautiful things should have substance. Um, But this movie has, like, a really cool style and, like, soundtrack. But, like, just the story moved me because it was these people who were kind of, like, forsaken. Oh. But they're so – they're, like, anti-heroes in so many ways. But they're also so likable and, like – they want to choose life, but they're addicted to heroin. But right. like they're, I, I don't know. Like it just, I think at that time in my life, it, it taught me a lot about like grace and like uh-huh. always being like, I can always make the choice to choose mm. good, which I know sounds like so cheesy no. about a movie. That's like, so like, it's interesting as you're describing it, like I know it in the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. but I've never sat down to watch it. But as you, yeah, as you describe it, it makes me think like either, from the profane mm-hmm. comes something quite sacred that yeah. like really mysterious relationship of those things being sometimes odd bedfellows yeah you know, that this profane thing shouldn't do what it does yeah and it still does it totally yeah. and i love that like juxtaposition yeah. of like scum of the earth and then it's and somehow it's, the best of us and the best of us yeah. yeah um so and like it's just the soundtrack is amazing too which yeah. has always been like a like movies have influenced my taste in music since uh, i was like very young um so they go hand in hand for me so if there's like a good soundtrack like i'm there for it okay yeah oh that's so fun i feel like that's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> okay one more because why not do three three movies yeah holy, like a good trinity yeah um hmm. movie you can't live without you can't live without Okay, I'll I'll be honest. Sound of Music. Really, I love that movie. Like, what does it do for you? I saw it when I was seven for okay. the first time, so it reminds me like deeply of my childhood and like the best parts of it. Um, I'm a big Julie Andrews fan, but yeah, like I think it's like a healthy nostalgia that yeah. I have associated with it, and it's it's a great, it's a great, it's a great yeah. movie. Like I don't, no, it's not like a. Jean-Luc Godard film, but it's still really good. <laughs> I don't get the reference, but John Petkow does. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Here's a big question. Go with it wherever you want. Okay. But where do stories come from? What are your thoughts about story? That's a really great question. I, I love it. Um, but it feels complicated to answer yeah. because it's it's a loaded one. Um, 
I just left it on my notes as it is because I was like, you just, you don't even have to answer it. You can just kind of cruise up to it from Hmm. any angle you like. What's your, what's your own experience with like discovering story or getting your hand on a story Hmm. or. Honestly, like for me, well, like in university, I'm, I'm learning about stories in like a very academic way and not necessarily like writing. Cause I'm not taking an English major. I'm just in communication. So it's more about like the interpretation of stories or information. Um, so I've, I've learned new things about story, but at its core, I've always seen storytelling or like filmmaking is an empathy machine. Ooh. Um, because I think we share our stories because we want to connect with other people, but also like relate to them. And the films I've loved the most or have felt the most from watching are the films that like made me feel seen and less alone in my human experience. Um, So I think that's where like that desire to, to tell stories and share them Mm -hmm. comes from because it is, and I think we'll probably end up talking about this later, but like stories are very communal. Like Mm -hmm. you, you don't just, I mean, we all we all tell ourselves stories in our own heads, and they're not always the best ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like in their finest, like you you share them with a room of people, mm-hmm. and and they do something. Yes, I think about this a lot as a communicator who stands mm-hmm. in front of people, and I especially learned this when I would stand in front of preteens, and their you know preteen bodies were just strange and mm-hmm. antsy and you know I would be in front of 150 mm-hmm. preteens at a camp or in a youth room and as soon as I dropped into a story stillness attention connection mm-hmm. and it was like Matt every yeah. time every time yeah you switch into a story the, the human bodies lean in mm-hmm. you know that I think your word empathy is really interesting it's a it's so much sort of feeling I want to feel something that you're mm-hmm. offering and I want to offer you something by showing you that I'm you know present mm-hmm. to you as I listen it's it 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 does it still in this room as soon as I drop into a story <laughs> like you get you get transported it's it consumes powerful. you yeah. yeah 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 and that's the thing that people want to talk about later mm-hmm. is they want to I've shared a story and then they often come towards me with a story of their own and it's a really beautiful like connection maker mm-hmm. which is it, what else does that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> what else does it yeah I was thinking about Liz Gilbert's work on uh, big magic and mm-hmm. her ta- her sort of talks about creativity that ideas have a way of waving you down, you know, is her that they sort of follow you around. Yeah. And even in my own writing that there is something that if I'm like out on a walk processing something and like, then there it is, there yeah. it is. It's like it, it, it was waving me down. Like I'm right here. Here's the thing that you can do next with what you're working on. Mm -hmm. um, They're like a little epiphanies, honestly. And I, I, that's like, I, as much as like filmmaking is difficult. Like, I think that's what I live for with it is like those small moments of like, it makes sense. And this is what it's going to look like and be like, and we can totally make it happen. Like, ah, like those are those moments that like I live for in my processes. It, it does feel like deeply spiritual and divine to me when it kind of just like 
comes over me and mm. I am like, it's great. Or sometimes, but then, you know, sometimes there's those moments where you're like, oh, that was a good idea yesterday. But yes, like, in retrospect, totally. I don't know. <laughs> it seemed like that was it. And then when I sat down with it, it's not. Yeah. But then there's another. But then that's okay. Yeah. Like I've, I've learned to be more okay with like my bad ideas mm-hmm. and like filtering them through and entertaining them rather than being like, oh, I can't come up with anything. Right. Yeah. The story you tell yourself in mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, so let's talk about, because I, let's talk about how movies are made. Okay. And uh, that's, a, again, a really big question. <laughs> and obviously people teach whole classes on this, mm-hmm. but for, a, you know, a basic person okay. who turns on, you know, uh, Netflix and watches a movie, like, how do you begin to think about well, how can okay. you introduce us to how movies are made? Hmm. I'd like to preface it with the fact that there's a lot of love, sweat, and tears that goes into it from, like, everyone on the cruise and, like, the credits you see. Like, people are working long hours and they're away from their families for months at a time um, trying to entertain you. And it's I think it's really lovely they do that. Mm. But it is not easy on people. It's a sacrifice. Um, it's definitely a sacrifice. And that's what we do to tell stories. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely from an artistic standpoint, like everyone's process is different, but then from like a technical one, it's very structured and it kind of has to be for it to work, especially on a larger scale. Um, so there's basically like three, this is great. (laughs) Oh, it's so retarded. Like your timeline is pre-production, um, production and then post-production. Okay. And then pre-production, it's logistics, planning, coordinating, hiring, figuring out, like, can we film this? Like, is this dangerous? Is this doable? How much is it? Like, budgets. Um, lots of mental gymnastics, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and problem solving, which can be really fun. And then production is when, like, the magic happens. <laughs> and then post-production is when the story comes together. So, mm-hmm. like, editing, color grading, etc. Like, just piecing it together and and in different ways too because like I've it when I've made my shorts like I think on like larger scale films or like a Netflix production they they have specifics but then um whenever I do it in in like my smaller budget like I I take my time in post-production like I'm still not very good at editing myself so I always hire an editor but like it takes time to like piece the story and seeing it evolve from when you first had the idea to the end of it, because it does change and mm. it doesn't always turn out how you expect it to, um, which I'm learning to appreciate because like, I think most directors and, and like other filmmakers, I know like we get very set on like having it be perfect. But once you learn to like love the imperfections that you have because of like the limitations you're met with, like it, it can become something really beautiful as well. Hmm. So it's, it's and trusting the uh, trusting the people that you bring into mm-hmm. uh, the project to offer what they have. Yeah, that's why you've hired them. I'm sure that's an interesting thing to totally. Navigate and, and like I, I love, I do love collaborating. Like yeah. I know some people who direct who like really want things a specific way, and that's fine. Um, but for me, like, I think the people on my team make the work better than I could ever make it myself. Um, so I really value their opinions and, and what they think I can do to make it better. And that doesn't mean I always agree with them because there's some things where I'm like, no, I, I, I know what I want. Mm-hmm. But then when I, I, I like entertaining, um, yeah. the, 
the the spontaneity of new ideas. I like thinking about you being like, great, tell me your idea. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you would be like, that's fine, but not for this. No, maybe not. I'm curious about, I have a little obsession right now. I'm thinking a lot about place. Hmm. Just the meaning of place, you know, why it matters to me and my own story, my own relationship with the places I've lived and how they've mm-hmm. shaped me. But I'm really curious about the work of film to shape your relationship with place. Like hmm. you must look at place and setting differently yeah. than, you know, maybe people who've always grown up here and never sort of thought about, you know, light yeah. or uh, location. Totally. When I ask you that, you know, how does filmmaking shape your relationship to place? What comes to mind? It, it basically adds charm to every place I go to because (laughs) I can like, I don't know, like it just, it gives you that ability to see like the magic in certain locations or even like, I I have this weird obsession with like the industrial area near Ramsey because I feel like it's really cinematic or like, corners of Calgary that I'm like this would make a this would look great in like a frame or a shot and like the colors and the way it makes me feel like if something stops me and takes my attention for a second like when I'm walking I'm like this would be a great place to like it it inspires me I I think my environment inspires me a lot it's cool to think about I'm just putting this together this idea of wanting to share Mm. place like there's a generosity Mm -hmm. to viewing a city that way that it's if we could put this location into a film others could see Mm -hmm. it and see kind of the beauty or the magic there's a generosity to that it's not just like ours to keep and hold on to and guard but a way of sharing place inviting others into place totally which is really neat to think about thanks for entertaining that theme for me of (laughs) course okay i want to talk about independent film more in your email you said this neat phrase, uh, indie movies are a freaking miracle. Yeah. And <laughs> I want you to talk about that, describing a moment where, or like remembering witnessing that sense of this is doing an independent film is a freaking miracle. What did you mean? What does that feel like? I just feel like sometimes it can feel so impossible to like, manifest an idea and the fact that you get to manifest it and like have it become like this physical tangible form that's that's part of the miracle because that can be so hard when it comes to like film like it's it's really not it's an art form but it's not in like it's not the kind of medium where I can sit down and like draw it out for you and be like this is exactly what I am picturing like I have to try to find ways to like communicate that and that makes it feel really hard sometimes because you sometimes communication is just hard that's like one thing I'm learning and I don't want to pretend like degree yeah (laughs) it's like easy (laughs) it's true though it's even it's a silly thing that I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about but it's like going to the hairdresser and being like, this is what I want you to do. But like, I don't speak hairdresser. Yeah. And and it's like getting the thing in your head to mm-hmm. this person who's the professional, yeah. like on such a small scale, like you're doing that to create yeah. with so many different layers of like, I have a thing in my head. And like logistics and yeah. money and like really practical things. Right. And then also like mixing that practicality with like 
your idealism or like creativity like that's I think where the miracle happens because there's so many ways that those things just don't connect or like and then do and when they do that's when you're like it's meant to be it feels good and then when they don't that's you struggle a bit totally but it's a part of it but it's a part of what's so exhilarating yeah and it forces you to like find a solution and like forces you to come up with a new idea that still somehow like ties into your original Mm -hmm. idea and it's it's not yeah it's not like smooth sailing by any means but and you wouldn't do it if it were no not at all there's something you love about the struggle no totally (laughs) maybe it's because like i am kind of a a masochist no. like I just no I think there's something like, really here. there's something about work yeah in this that like I don't do work because it's easy mm-hmm. it's like it makes me it forces me to grow and it yes. forces me out of my comfort it makes zone me think about like time. you we're we're always evolving mm-hmm. and we know the places where our evolution is waiting for mm-hmm. us you know I know yeah. it in my writing I know it in my work I know it in my relationships and I think that this is something you know mm-hmm. and like a deep part of yourself that where you get to evolve next is located here mm-hmm. in filmmaking yeah. and storytelling because it really does like make me feel like full like it yes. makes my heart feel full and that's when like when things are just buzzing and you're yeah. like I'm made for this <laughs> yeah it's so hard <laughs> But I know it. Yeah. I am made. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. There's, I know not everyone has that either. So when you get it, like when you get any moments of that in Mm -hmm. your life, I think it's something that we should bow to. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I want to know I mean, I I don't think a a lot of people probably have even seen a lot of independent film. Mm -hmm. So, my question is like, why make movies that aren't blockbuster hits? Right. That's like, that's a good question. Cause like Jesse and I recently had a bit of like an argument. Jesse being your partner. Being my partner. We love um, him. <laughs> you love Jesse. <laughs> um, because like we, we watched like a kind of a, like a Stephen King, like horror film lately just because like I wanted to watch a horror movie so did he and we're like let's give this a chance and he thought I was being like very critical of it he's like why can't you just like be easy and like it like I'm just like I'm telling you what I like about it I'm telling you what I don't like about it and this is what I don't like about it it's cookie cutter it doesn't like these are things I've seen before and then you know I kind of told him like I know what I like and I'm I like indie movies because like it shows me something I've never seen before a lot of the time or it shows it in like a completely different way and I like having that new fresh perspective rather than like the same like three-act structure where like just because this happens there and okay like we get it um and not the and all that to say like I'm not pretentious when it comes to that because I know we need like those structures yeah there's something that really works for the masses Mm -hmm. about that you know even if it's just and I think films should be accessible like Mm -hmm. I I have a a hard time with like the pretentiousness in the art world of like making overly into and I'm not saying there should there should be room for everything and you're allowed to like whatever you want and and have at it if you like Marvel movies like if they make you happy go for Mm -hmm. it if you like Tarkovsky go for it like I (laughs) Um, uh, again, double thumbs up from John Petcow. You do you. <laughs> you do you. Um, but I, yeah, I love independent film because it it's just 
newer ways of telling the story. Mm, I never thought yeah. about it like that. So this was actually okay. my friend's mom. Okay. Um, I really like working with like non-actors. And she's saying I'm so lonely. Mm-hmm. What is this nearby? That's fun too to be like, oh, there's monogram. I love it. We don't mind milk, but no honey. Oh, such biblical language. Sweetness, tenderness. Just solitude. Oh, that word. She's in the bus, she's making her way to the church. The manna doesn't nourish me. Sometimes I wish I never... I feel like she's the angstiest. I think this is like my favorite segment in the whole film. It is? It is. Just like because of the performance and the whole scene is... She's great. She was amazing. Can you really believe her wandering through the city on this bus? And so she's Saint Rita. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love the font even of that. I painted that myself. Oh, yes. This is a director's cat. Uh, she doesn't really want to talk to God. <laughs> oh. Yes, her pursed lips. Mm-hmm. And her hesitation. In the grocery store looking for the right food. I know like my mom really struggled like finding ingredients when we first moved here to like make the food that she only knew how to make back home. So it's so interesting to think about timing and like how you give this scene. It's time. Oh, so man touches her shoulder. She turns around. Oh, <laughs> I just feel this. Like he just places her arms around his neck. He's a younger man. Oh, she just holds him close. Um, I would say like either her some memory. A memory, yeah. That's what I was going for. Yeah, she's young in this moment. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> she's a really good I dancer. Really, like, there's something like erotic mm-hmm. to the touch. Confetti, that's like a signature of mine. (laughs) It's neat how it kind of catches the light. Oh, we're back with her in the quiet confessional. They're passion projects, you know? Ah. Like, I I feel like in the studio system, it is about money. And then in Mm. the indie world, Mm. like, the money is scarce. So when you do something, like you're trying so hard to make it work Mm -hmm. out of a place of like love and 
passion. So that, I think that's another aspect of like the romance of it for me. Like yeah. it is a labor of love right. to make an indie movie. And then the people working on it with you, like they're not getting paid that much. Yeah. So they're there for you. Like it's just. Right. They're really serving. Yeah. The creation. Mm-hmm. They believe in it. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of like having everyone believe in you and believe in the story you want to share is is a really beautiful experience right i did some reading this week around art and faith just to kind Mm -hmm. of get the juices flowing and came across some language around the theology of making Hmm. and uh it's amako fujimura wrote this book and it's fine i really like when he talks about art I don't really love when he talks about theology. I mean, it's kind of his thing, but that's fine. In this book, I shouldn't say that at large. But when he was talking about making and his creativity, I loved it. So he's a visual artist. The book was Art and Faith. And he urges people to move away from uh, an only like utilitarian view of creating to one of making. Hmm. Uh, And one of the more provocative things he says is that the essential question is not if we are religious, but if we are making, and that the work of art is gift, not commodity. Hmm. And it just that this language I was kind of stewing in this week, thinking about even just sitting down to do this podcast again and thinking like, why am I doing a third season? And I knew inside of me, I need to be making something. Mm -hmm. This is like a creative um, exploration yeah. for me. You feel called to it. Yeah, right? I feel called like, to just, it. Like, I have to. And to think about it as gift, mm-hmm. that it is when we are, I, yeah, I'm still kind of working out some of the language, yeah. but I really was drawn to this idea of like, and it seems to me of theology of making, it seems to me that what you're describing in independent film projects is really about gift. It's about, you know, this isn't going to take over the world but it's really important to those of us making it Mm -hmm. and it's really important to the people who will sit in a theater or at a film festival and watch it and just enter into this view of the world from this you know Mm -hmm. side door that maybe you weren't expecting to go through um there's something that called to me in that Mm -hmm. language of making and gift yeah Um, what what do you think of some of those things um it's funny because like on my drive here, I was kind of like thinking about that. Like, why do, why do I make, why do I want to make films and why do I make them? And parts of me are like, it's like, it's my calling. Like it's yeah. what I've wanted to do since I was literally a child. Like I, I feel like I have no other choice than to like pursue this thing because God gave me this gift mm-hmm. and I should use it. So, so that, and, and not in like a, I don't mean that in like, do oh. it, <laughs> do it Ingrid. <laughs> And I don't know, it just, it feels like a gift to, like, share. Like, yeah. I love, like, showing my friends, like, movies or, like, lending the movie or a book because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, let me share this, like, thing that made me feel something. Maybe it'll, like, inspire you, too. Or yeah. Maybe you'll feel, like, less alone or just right. maybe you'll just feel something. Like, I just, I, I'm very much, I'm very emotional and <laughs> it's both a blessing and a curse. But, like, I love, I love it when people feel good or yeah. just feel feel feel, <laughs> feel we know we're human yeah. yeah and the in the feelings talk more about what it's like to collaborate i i get the sense that you're a part of a really neat community hmm. here in calgary that like when you get together with your maker people like it must be a good time yeah. like there's something about i know a few people who come around 
commons and your connection with them and the projects that you make. Um, how tell, talk more about what collaboration is like in in your creative world? Um, it's my favorite part of like the whole process. Like I, I think maybe when I was younger, I I was a bit more like selfish about it because I'm like oh, I want to be the one making the thing. Like I don't know. It's I think it's like a complex a lot of creative people go through mm-hmm. when they work in like a collaborative medium. Where like I want it to be about me, um, or I want the acknowledgement. But now like the more <laughs> mature I've grown and like the experiences I've had have really just reshaped that for me where I'm like, we're all making it like it's everyone's making it. It's not just me making it, but like, I, I can't make it without these people. So we make the project. Um, and yeah, like I just, it's like, it is magic when like I get to sit down with like Mike and Eric, who are very talented filmmakers, um, I hope they listen to this, and <laughs> and we get to like bounce off ideas and just like create this thing together and then go make it. Um, I don't know, like I, I feel like anyone who's who's found like their people to do that mm-hmm. with like knows how it just makes everything click and yeah. and like inspires you because like they inspire you, you inspire them. And then you make beautiful art together and like, well, what, like what else is there? What like? else is there? <laughs> it's making me think about some kind of almost like sibling ties. Like mm-hmm. we have our siblings, Your yours are important to you. Mine are really important yeah. to me. But then I have these other like brothers and sisters yeah. and my like work life, you know, I worked with, uh, who became a dear friend. My friend Robbie hired me at this church in California, Robbie and Bobby, you know, <laughs> we were this like dynamic duo. People would be like, Hey, do you guys know your, your names, Rob? And we were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> and we served at a church together for a few years. And like, he is like my brother. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's, we worked together. We worked on things yeah. together. It, I just, I can't even believe I have those kinds of relationships in my life. Totally. And that, when like, you can think like you're on the same, like, a creative plane yeah. like mentally you're like yes oh, that's a it. great idea and like, you use the word like um that the arts offer us uh sort of an escape or some sort of solace in our own loneliness mm-hmm. i think like the loneliness of being human is real <laughs> and when you get to work with someone you you have this moment of like ah like in this, I am not alone. Yeah. In this, we are together. Yeah, we're alive. In yeah. It. Yeah. And that's something transcendent mm-hmm. and really. Yeah, like, I hold those relationships like very yeah. dear to me because, like, I, I think that's one thing, especially with film. Like, I don't think people realize how much of it is business, mm-hmm. and like trying to have those boundaries of like business and friendship and and making sure lines don't get blurred because, like, they easily can mm-hmm. and like pair that with just having an ego and <laughs> being a person mm-hmm. it, it can make things like really difficult but then just l- learning to let that go and and like really coming together i want to know how filmmaking is a spiritual practice for hmm. you how does that feel really integrated to your spirituality um I have to let go and trust ah. every time I do it. Ah, the spiritual <laughs> practice of letting go. And it's really hard. Which, and you know, to take it to a dark place, but Richard Rohr would say let's go dark. That, that that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. We're here to let go so that we can yeah. do an ultimate letting go at the end of totally. our lives. Like the more we sort of cling and hold on to and hoard, 
the more I think our aging is complicated by that mm-hmm. and grief in our <laughs> lives is complicated by that because we just cannot let it let go. go. Yeah. And so the things that move into our lives and are always inviting us back to a letting go mm-hmm. and a trust and a kind of open handedness. Yeah. Those are profound, profound things. So I resonate with this, that sort of spiritual yeah. practice of letting go. Yeah. Cause I just have to like show up and trust myself and then trust everyone I'm working with and just trust that like, we'll get what we need and to like tell the story. And sometimes that's, it's just, it's difficult on so many levels because like you get imposter syndrome and then some, someone messes something up and you doubt their ability and it just, but like, it gets easier every time to just be like, okay, like I'm lucky enough I get to make something and results don't necessarily like always matter but like how can I see this as a practice and like letting go of my idealism and making it more practical or like learning how to compromise and come up with a new way to say or do something um yeah I think lately I've been getting more out of my creativity on like a self-development level than than like a creative one um which has been an interesting arena for me to like explore because I'm normally like very like I love being inspired and like that romance of it like I've always you know just like oh I'm an artist (laughs) but but now I'm like oh like how do I want to be as a person who identifies as an artist and how do I want to handle communication in certain situations that like aren't comfortable or like yeah it's like how can you be your professional yeah how do you yeah that is that what you mean by self-development totally like I'm gonna really work on the skills of being a professional in this Mm -hmm. space how can I be more confident Mm -hmm. in like asking for what I want without feeling like bad about it because I I think that's like a very normal thing for women in the arts Mm -hmm. I feel bad asking like I shouldn't but it's like this is what I want yes please give it to me and like I'll ask nicely but there's still that like insecurity there I just again I'm like really into you (laughs) being that yeah just like showing up in that part of yourself and it's and it's been it hasn't been easy for me because honestly like I'm still a developing person I haven't made it yet I don't know where I'm going to make it um per se but I'm I'm excited to just like have the thing that I, I truly do love like be a part of what's shaping me as as a as a human and mm-hmm. um how it does shape like my spirituality because I think that's what makes me stick to it is that like there's always something to be taught by the whole experience mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's personal stuff and sometimes it's literally like God came through <laughs> like, oh, we witnessed something magical and miraculous yeah. do you have any mantras you kind of say to yourself in the thick of things that kind of ground you or mm, that's what a good the... question um I think slow and steady wins the race has oh, been like okay. the one that I've been sticking to and what does that mean to you um I'm an overthinker so I'm very like uh and I'm trying to really slow myself down just to like for the, my own peace of mind and then for the sake of others and the people I love around me um and, like, there's no rush. Like, I really used to want to, like, be, like, Xavier Dolan, who, like, by 25 made his first feature and, like, had his shit together. Um, but now I'm like, you know what? If I make my first feature at 40, like, that's fine. Because right. I'll have all these experiences where I can, like, that I can write sincerely about instead of, like, trying to come up with things to write about. And not that that's a bad thing, but, like, I think mm-hmm. I just 
right now, like I write what I know, but that's because I haven't lived long enough yet. And there's, yeah, there's no rush in like being young and successful. Like I can be older and successful. And I'm also trying to like redefine success for myself. Like, does that look like making it in Hollywood? Not necessarily. I don't necessarily want that, but, or does that mean just like getting to do what I love every day? And having a normal life <laughs> yes yes it makes me think of um, one of jonathan's uh kind of mantras in our relationship yeah. we kind of have relationship mantras mm-hmm. maybe and uh mantra 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 praying mantis how would we say it <laughs> uh he would he would especially when we first got together he'd say there are no roads mm-hmm. and that sort of idea of like it has to look a certain way and he'd always remind me probably like we make our own road yeah. here and that is coming to my mind as you talk about redefining success for yourself mm-hmm. uh, that you make you make that road yeah that's I, I don't have success. to pressure myself yeah. into having it be a certain way anymore and that's mm-hmm. been really liberating and, and sometimes scary because like I think everyone likes like the reassurance of like structure and like if I do this it'll get me here mm-hmm. but now I'm just like if if let me try this and if it works great and if mm-hmm. it doesn't I'll try it something else next time mm-hmm. I like thinking about too, like the development of our leadership in these spaces. Mm. I think it's like, what kind of, how do you get the the best work from the people around you? Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from a frantic demanding place. You mm. might get it for a short, like hot second, but in, in terms of long-term relationships and really good work and like a, you know what it's like to be in a space that's really stressful and yeah. demanding from an, from a insecure space mm-hmm. or a scarcity. But like when I can lead from a place of like groundedness and kind of be in a lot of energy, but still stay, mm-hmm. you know, really, I'm not asking things of people that they aren't there to give to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these aspects of I think leadership and heading a project totally that are it's really important and I think the world would be a great place if we all did some <laughs> some of that work you know yeah what do, what kind of leading do I really want to do mm-hmm. here and how does that bring out the, the best in everyone around me people? that's a gift yeah I think leadership skills are very important like not to, not in all art forms, but I think in film, film definitely, seems. because like you literally have like heads of departments. Yes. So like they are leading a team that does this one specific thing and they have to do it well or else right. it affects the rest of like the work. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been learning about that because like I, I can be quite shy and like I, I lack a certain amount of assertiveness Um just because, like, I'm still a developing person who, like, hasn't honed their power yet. But I'm, I'm learning to... It's right to- here, Ingrid. You're, <laughs> you're going to turn the wheel and be... I'm in, in the this- mud, though. I'm, like, getting to the oh, I just, swimming. Oh, the struggle is a part of it. But I think Ingrid in her power... I'm getting it's there. it's as far away as you think it is. <laughs> I think you're in it. <laughs> thank <Karen>. you <laughs> uh, okay here's a, a another kind of big question uh which seems to be a thread i'm weaving through this season mm-hmm. but how can let's say independent film how can independent film help us love hmm. do with it again what you want where does it where do you go with that where do i go with that that's that's like that I feel like that's like a multi like Mm -hmm. layer question because there's so many ways that I think it can teach you how to love because it can teach you how to love like simplicity Mm. and like making things with with little means but just like 
still doing something about it right force that could heal the world (laughs) (laughs) i love that um simplicity okay yeah so i think for me it comes that the love of that simplicity just comes from a place of like less resources but that's okay Mm -hmm. but that that's kind of related to like the practice itself but then i think for an audience um yeah i wonder why audiences do love independent films but i as an audience member myself like when i do find myself more in love with films it's because they speak to me on like a more profound level and and i think that's why people keep going back to Mm -hmm. those stories that that do feel like (laughs) i don't know like profound (laughs) Mm -hmm. it makes me think about uh story parables mm-hmm, that definitely that the films that i love that i've carried with me for a long time mm-hmm. like they i never exhaust them yeah like every time i sit down to encounter those films and i'm embarrassed which ones they are like they're silly <laughs> i actually made a little list because i was thinking about parables and mm-hmm. i thought okay if i just jot down some of my favorite movies are the ones that just are nostalgic mm-hmm. for me that I can still rewatch. And I know they're not everybody's, but they're mine. They're yours. Yeah. I gave little parables to the names of them. Mm-hmm. So I loved the film La Bamba as a kid. Do you know it? Richie Valens. No. It was, it, um, Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips is the actor. It's I loved it. It's about like Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the when they all die. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to see it's, this. I I rewatched it recently, and I was like, this still stands up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's a a parable of art and art making and his pursuit mm-hmm. for what he loved. And then I love this movie, Keeping the Faith. With Ben Stiller and Ed Norton. (laughs) They're so silly, but it's a parable of friendship Mm. for me. And when I watch it, I think of like collaboration and differences in friendship. One of them is a priest and one is a rabbi. So they're just like, that's a thing. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) I thought about this movie, Moonlight Mile. Susan Sarandon, Dustin Hoffman, um, the woman in Grey's Anatomy, and it's all about grief. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it's a parable of loss like Mm -hmm. that when I'm like, I need to face or it just sort of stirs something up in me that that these this like ragtag group of people thrown together because of their loss. Yeah. Uh, So those are, you know, I was just thinking about the practice of like those things, those piece artifacts, Mm -hmm. they help me love. Like that, those are parables yeah. in my life that I go back to, or I'll, the lines come to me mm-hmm. often. Um, the, in, for example, I don't know why I need to tell you all this, but no, uh, there's this, ahead. there's this moment where Susan Sarandon's character is talking about why she loves Dustin Hoffman's character mm-hmm. and they've lost their daughter and she, and they're very different. She's artsy. She's a writer. He's very like by the book. You answer the phone when it rings, all of those Straight things. <laughs> totally. And she says something like every night when I climb into bed, there are these two hands reaching out and they pull me in. just this, this couple in bed together. Mm-hmm. And that defined, that is, a, that's parable to me. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted that kind of relationship in my life. Yeah. And I have it. I sleep in a bed with my partner who always puts his hand on my hip. Mm-hmm. And it every time startles me because I don't know that I'll ever get used to it. Yeah. And then it and then it calms me. Mm-hmm. And it's I go back to like I knew that that was a thing I longed for because yeah. I saw it in the movie. Well so much of yeah. filmmaking like or just 
you know, it goes, it ties into like that empathy of like mm-hmm. people experiencing grief, for example, and mm-hmm. you feeling for them or those characters, yeah. but then also like that desire, that romance yeah. and like how film like ignites those things and like your own psyche totally. or how it can manifest like it's, it's sometimes your best idealizations like manifested yeah. into like a physical tangible form right. and you get to share those with like other people and everyone kind of gets to share the desire and yeah. like be open about it yeah um uh, yeah yeah and the, you know if we think about the parables of jesus how we mm-hmm. we go back to them and one person tells it and you're like i never thought about that way another person yeah. i never thought about that story i know mm-hmm. in that way and that that i think i wonder you know if films become something of parables in our lives oh totally i think they i forget who said this but it goes i'm gonna paraphrase because i am very bad at quoting things but um basically like it was talking about how a cinema is like the best form of church because it's the only time you can get people in a room to like really shut up and listen Um, and there's like you, you can take it so far you can say like the popcorn mm-hmm. is the Eucharist you know yeah. that there are these <laughs> these ways of yeah there's something um, it's a dark space you're kind of like in your own mm-hmm. c- contemplative world yeah a it's bit. meditative like it I, I, I've missed going to like the movies because I'm actually better at watching movies and in like a social space and I am alone these days anyway like it used to be something I, I love doing alone and now I'm like I'd rather share this with people because ah, I can I can share and it call to your, use your phone yeah either like get up and do something mm-hmm. in the I'm kitchen in the quickly. same headspace as them yes. like instead of thinking of like the production aspect of it when like I'm alone and I, right. I start stressing out about like my own body of work right. and stuff oh that's neat to think about the community mm-hmm. aspect of that If you were to help someone get the most out of the movies that they love, like you've talked about kind of dissecting them more and kind of losing some love mm-hmm. for them. But if, if, if somebody knows, I love this movie, I don't even know why, like, mm-hmm. but I want to like uncover some layers to this love uh, in my life, this love for this movie. Yeah. What would you say to them about how to get even more out of it? Yeah. Um, what should people watch for or notice? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, the thing about film is like, at the end of the day, what you get is the big picture. Like that's the product that gets delivered, right? Like you don't see all the moving pieces. But I think that's why like rewatching your favorite films is so important because you actually start picking up on all like yeah. those little pieces you missed the first time right. that it kind of engrossed you and like took over you. Totally. And, and then you kind of start um, unpiecing it together. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just learning how to, like, notice different things each time you watch something. And then you can see all the layers right. with by looking for them, really. Uh, Jonathan and I have been re-watching Mad Men, and oh, I know that you so Mad Men. <laughs> that is but, pure, like, that's pure cinema. Like, I know it's a TV show, but, like, it's so yeah. well-written and done on so many different levels. There, so one of the things that we've started doing is always paying attention to the title of the episode mm-hmm. and, then, and then piecing together why is this episode, because it's all 
it's all for a reason. Yeah. yeah. So that's been really fun for us to like uncover another layer. Mm-hmm. And then as silly as this is, but just seeing how many doorway scenes, which I never noticed, but people are coming and going in rooms mm-hmm. and doorways all the time. And then often scenes are connected by that moment yeah. and they kind of turn into each other. And I, you know, I don't even know much about why that's important, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that has been fun to be like, oh, there's a lot of door, a lot of moving doors here. Yeah. Like, are you we- like like one character more like one time than you do the yeah. first time you want. like I used to not like Peter very much but now like I right I see aspects of him that are like deeply human totally. and like heartfelt and like sensitive totally. or yeah like it's just it's so much fun to yeah. explore oh man we could do a whole yeah, like thing Mad about Men. Mad Men, but <laughs> I I've caught myself being like don't cheer for Don. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he's like he's, he's such a wretched person. But yeah. you, that's why the show is so great is because mm-hmm. you like you get these glimpses of him as a parent and you think there you are. What could you could you be that in other parts of your mm-hmm. life? So you do cheer for him. But then sometimes I would be like, no, cheer for Betty. Yeah. <laughs> like, or I've seen Betty more like in a much more powerful, mm-hmm. uh, like her character is more powerful than I remember. Yeah. Which was really fun to notice. Anyways. <laughs> Totally. Um, I'm loving it. We're almost done. And he hasn't made it this far. I've watched the whole thing through. So yeah. it's been it's been fun to again be like, I think we can get more out of it. And we've had a lot of fun talking about yeah, it together. That was a pandemic like rewatch for me. And like yeah. I did a presentation about it in like you my did. communications class. I kind of forget what it was about, but like <laughs> I remember just being so into it yeah. because I'm like, I love bad men. Like people need to see this. It's phenomenal. <laughs> so. It's really great. Uh if you could recommend, uh, kind of going back to this three movies idea, okay. if you could recommend three movies for people, and can they be independent? Like, what kind of movies would you recommend to this community, uh, to maybe some of my friends listening, <laughs> that they could pull up from the library or, you know, a, some some examples of, like, independent film okay. that you've loved? Um waves it came out in 2019 and it's a trip like it's i think like almost three hours long and i remember watching it in theaters and like for the first hour i was super uncomfortable and i was like i don't know if i like this it's a drama but it feels like a horror movie like i don't i don't know where it's going and then eventually it turned into like this beautiful story about like redemption and like family um so that was a great example of like a very, like not very independent film because it was produced by like A24, which is huge nowadays. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, they're like Angle. iconic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was one of those like, you could have told it in like a very blockbuster-y way, but mm-hmm. it just, it was done very artistically and like almost free form. So it made it different and it was very touching and like inspiring and something one film that I don't think I could watch again because emotionally it was just so like (laughs) but it definitely has stuck with me and like I love that haunts me like I love like films it's like we end up little with little pets kind Mm -hmm. of following us around and seeing like yeah it's it's a part of you it's in you now okay waves is one do you have another Um, one or two force majeure which like I'm sure a lot of people have seen because it's like kind of I wouldn't say it's a cult film because it doesn't have that like camp feeling to it but I think it came out in like the mid 2000s and it's very European 
but it's it's about couples and like a marriage kind of falling apart during like a ski trip but it's really funny and like like deadpan and just yeah i highly recommend that one i I watched that one this year finally and loved it um and then paddleton if you want a good cry with mark duplot and ray romano yeah what's it about um is that the friendship one yes but the two men and one of them's like dying yeah yeah like i (laughs) i watched that with jesse during the pandemic like an isolated watch and i always because one of my my friend eric like recommended it to me and i I would always tease and be like paddington bear like is that what it is like i don't know if i want to see this movie oh no paddington's really cute though i recommend it um but yeah no i wasn't emotionally prepared for it i like sobbed but it was so good and yeah i just that's something feel the feelings oh i love movies about loss yeah my favorite and like friendship too and like oh Oh, that's such a good list i want to see all of them Mm -hmm. how can people kind of get into your work where what what can they look forward to or how can Follow they access it? Follow me on the grams because okay. that's where like I'll I'll post about it. Okay. Um, what is your Instagram? Uh, Raising Ingrid Vargas. Great. Yeah. Um, what am I working on? Right now I'm on a bit of a hiatus uh, just because I'm working a lot and I'm in school. But I did get a grant for um a short film that I plan on making next summer, so I'm excited about that. And mm. then I have a music video coming out in September. So that I made last summer. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Uh, who's it for? Uh, the Velveteens. Right on. Yeah. Just Berta boys. And so, if someone's following you on Instagram, they'd be yeah. able to know when it's out. And Hashtag watch it. link in bio. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so the very final question. Okay. Just to bring us back to the beginning, mm-hmm. which is this quest for meaning. Not to sound like overly religious. <laughs> But I feel like if you can't do least, it here, where can you do it? <laughs> for me, like God's always used either like books or film as a medium to like speak to me about something in my life or something I'm going through. And I think that's why stories are also important because it is like a div- it's like a divine form of communication. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's so many like magical things about it. Like mm-hmm. it feels real and it looks real, but like it's not there and mm-hmm the way you can play around with time and right like the things that stand out to different people about specific scenes or film like entire films and how they interpret them right it's like it's it's really hard to think about you in faith without film yeah or 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 at least for me like they're both like very like creativity and faith are just like one in the same and Mm -hmm. i think i used to you know, growing up, like, really evangelical, like, that you didn't feel like there was that room for, like, being artistic, because things had to, you know, you always associate artists being kind of, like, crazy and (laughs) bohemian, but now I'm like, oh, like, God gets it, he's gotten it this whole time, like, he's the OG (laughs) creator. That's it, that's it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. This is great. Hi. My name is John and I help Bobby make the episodes for Between Sundays. You may have heard Bobby noting any time I perked up in this episode at the mention of filmmakers like Tarkovsky or Godard. I've always liked movies, but it was when I started digging into independent movies that I actually fell in love with them. Ingrid said that independent films open up new ways of telling stories, and for me that's most exemplified in movies like Agnes Varda's Cleo from 5 to 7 or Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon. Also, I definitely have to back up Ingrid's pick of Wings of Desire. That movie rules. 
Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockold is the host, and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Ingrid Vargas for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. Thanks, everyone.